0: thing that I should have planned beforehand. Here we go. Fuck <laughs> that. Should I sit? Yeah. What we do I brought notes, and I did it this new and interesting way, where you actually write on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon, everybody's going to be doing it. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Marnie. 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 Thank you. And I'm an alcoholic. Uh, My sober date is January 1st, 2012. So I've been sober for six years. And speaking of which, I have to get my six year chip. I went to 1313, and the person gave me a four year chip. (laughs) Fucking alcoholics. All right, so welcome everybody who's new. I suppose that you've been given what we call the gift of desperation, right? So, um, and uh, since it's 8 o'clock on a Friday night, you know, and you're here, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like to just begin about my history. I was born the youngest of three daughters. My eldest sister is strange and weird and uh, we always thought that she was on the spectrum and she's mean as a snake and so then uh, my mother had another daughter who turned out to be learning disabled and so uh, by the time I was born the third of the daughters uh, I was basically ignored and there was just no room for me my father was a business executive who was uh, climbing his way to the top so he had no time and then my mother was devastated by uh, her strange Children, And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so when it, so I was basically left to the wolves. And so I think my mother had a depression. My parents were not there for me. And there was like some trauma, some early childhood trauma. And, uh, I, um, am of a generation where PTSD wasn't a word that we used a lot. So it was something that we really didn't know about. And I, um, only later discovered in my mid forties that I actually had trauma. And, um, so I do believe that trauma is, uh, a lot of our core issues. There has probably been an initial pain, a primary pain that we endured. Some of us may not be able to remember it because the mind has a way of subterfuging some of this stuff, you know, so there's something that happened, you know, a rape, an uncle, you know, a beating, a mother who abandoned us, something like that. And so our coping mechanism was to numb the pain, right? Since nobody was there to recognize that we had pain, then our coping mechanism was to numb the pain. Certainly that was my coping mechanism. Um, And what ends up happening when we numb the pain is we don't end up feeling anything, right? So when we don't feel anything, then we end up uh, creating well, drama for ourselves, right? Because it's the only thing that will penetrate the numbness. So then we create bad relationships, we'll get fired from our jobs, um, you know, and, and, and then the subsequent thing uh, that happens is, you know, then you go out and you're like, well, fuck that, fuck that bitch, or fuck that yeah. boss, or, you know, fuck, fuck whomever, you know? <laughs> and I'm gonna get loaded. So then you get loaded. And then you don't feel anything, and there's like a peace, peace, that overcomes you until you seek out some other form of feeling, which is more trauma and more drama. So unless these traumatic issues, I think, have been addressed, there is, it will re-replicate itself. Trauma replicates itself. It's something that we know, and it's imprinted in us. So sometimes we inherit the trauma of our parents, right? So maybe something didn't happen, but what we're inheriting, what I think is, you know, they're talking a lot about epigenetics now, where we inherit um, um, the the DNA, the memory. It's like a hologrammatic imprint of our ancestors upon us, right? So maybe your uh, family comes from, you know, some traumatic history and you're inheriting that somehow. It's really a fascinating thing, and it is cyclical, and it doesn't stop, right? So then it comes to the point where uh, you're exhausted, right? So either the law has been exhausted by you, (laughs) or your parents have been exhausted by you, or you've come to your own conclusion that you are exhausted by your own behavior. And... What happens is, generally, if you're exhausted by your own behavior, then, you know, it's like this cosmic spiritual uncle, like, uncle, 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 I have to stop. And that's what we call the gift of desperation. Sometimes, I think, if you come here from, like, a a, a nudge from the judge, as it were, or... (laughs) you know, your parents put you in rehab, maybe you don't have that same desperation. You know, you're experiencing the desperation in another person, and here you find yourself in a meeting or a momentary reprieve from your own detrimental behavior. So when that happens, right, you might go in you might come back out. It's hard to say. I think that perhaps... There is a reprieve from your behavior for a silence, right? A quietude that steps in on us that maybe the light of the divine can come through, right? So the step one is like, are you done or are you not done? So you admit defeat um, and it's the gift of desperation. And if, if you have perhaps a moment in rehab where you have silence, right? that you're out of the cycle of trauma and the cycle of um, drama and trauma and addiction and you can be still and have just a moment of quietude where maybe something will step in and um, the light, there's a crack of the divinity that steps in. So a lot of us, I find, you know, have a relationship with God, like God's a kind of a, a loaded word, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of us say, fuck God fuck you God what have you done for me right and it's this bad relationship it's a negative word and one morning I woke up and I started thinking about all the different words for God and one of the things I was like oh the universe you know the cosmos and then the word source came to mind and so then I was like source huh what's the source and then I got to thinking about the sun right and I was like, oh, the sun is really basically the source of all things. Without the sun, there is no life. And certainly there was a lot of religions that had a relationship to the sun. I mean, that was the primary god in the Egypt, and a lot of these ancient uh, civilizations worshipped the sun. So I suggest this to you because sometimes if you're having a hard time finding something that's divine, right, then perhaps you can start with source, the sun. So not only that, I like to talk about this experience about the divine, right? So some people are like having a real hard time finding the spirituality, right? This is a program of spirituality. And so then I like to ask people, I've been teaching the inmate population for about five years. And so I asked these guys, uh, and I'm going to ask you too, as a rhetorical question, is there something that you have experienced in your life that there's no way you should have survived from it or some sort of weird divine intervention, you know? And then I ask people to suggest that maybe that is um, a means to allow some spiritual presence in, right? Or I say to people, like, how many of you know that you shouldn't have been in this particular situation you go oh like i'll say to the inmates you know how many of you 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 know so you got arrested because you got in the car with this person did you know somewhere in your body that you shouldn't have gotten in this car with this person and inevitably someone will say yes and then i'll say well what's that what is that voice that tells us something the ineffable something that is unknown right is that divinity is that spirituality i don't know I think so, though. So that's what I have about number two, right? The light that shines. Find something, anything, and pray to that. Pray to that. Pray to the sun. Um, so then the divine guidance, right, step three, is it's everywhere. You, you have to trust that it's always looking out for your best interest, so all the things that perhaps, you know, like, oh, this didn't work out for me. And all the things that you can think of that, quote, end quote, didn't work out for you, that ended up working out for you because somehow you were spared, right? So you have to trust that this spirituality or this something is working on all levels, and it's unknown, and we have no idea. We are mortals, and it's difficult to know the divine, right? It's difficult to know. I always think of the Bhagavad Gita. So I teach yoga. And I think of the Bhagavad Gita, which is an ancient book. And Arjuna was an ancient warrior, right? And in the book, he's talking to Krishna, who is God um, disguised as a lowly charioteer. And so Arjuna says, okay, well, if you're God, then show me everything you know. And And then Krishna says, You don't want to know everything that I know. And he says, just show me. Just show me everything. If you are divine, then show me that you're divine. And so then Krishna shows him all that he knows. And Arjuna, "Ah, stop, stop, stop. Take it away, take it away. We can't know the divine. It's not for us to know. We simply have to trust that the universe is somehow teaching us a lesson, right? So there's three forces, or there's three answers that the universe has if we ask a question, right? Or if we want something from it. It says, yes. It says, soon. Or it says, I have something better for you. Mm -hmm. The three answers that the universe has for you when you ask something of it is yes, soon, or I have something better for you. And I think that that is a way for me to know and trust that everything is happening, and that's okay, right? And sometimes if I worry about my financial issues or what it is that I worry about, I always think to myself that I have been taken care of and that I am taken care of. And I think that gratitude is really like a powerful thing that brings in the divine some more. For example... I sit there and in the mornings when I wake up, I am most content with my own existence because I'm safe in a house, because I can have a cup of coffee in the morning, because it's warm and I can take a hot shower. And if I start enumerating just the smallest little things in my life, then I can find this great immense gratitude and peace. So, step four is the trauma. And uh, I believe that AA has some amazing sayings, and I use them in my regular life, you know, to people who are normal and they've never been in this program of AA. And the thing that helped me the most when I first got sober was halt. Mm -hmm. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So that when I responded to something that made me want to drink or smoke, right, right, somebody pissed me off and I, immediately I was like, oh my God, what a fucking bitch. I want to smoke some weed, right? Then I would stop and I'd say, what is the impulse that's making me want to drink or smoke right now? And it was anger. Mm-hmm. Or there would be times when I lived on the street and I'd hear everybody else having this great time. It was such a party street and I wasn't drinking. And I would hear everybody laughing. And I thought, oh, if only I were drinking right now, I'd be laughing too. (laughs) And then I'd stop and I'd say, that's loneliness. I'm lonely right now. Hungry, tired. I never make decisions when I'm tired. If I have something so huge to think about, I don't think about it when I'm tired. If I'm exhausted and I try to solve things in my life, I say to myself, when you wake up in the morning, you can think about this, but not tonight. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So any great musician would tell you that the music happens in between the notes. So if I say that you have a pause for just a moment when you're getting sober, right? It's just a pause just to consider that maybe some divine light, some spirituality, some guidance can come in through that crack, right? If you pause and you say, hold on, before I grab a drink, I just want to identify what emotion is leading to that tendency. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So halt breaks the habituation and it turns us from being an animal to being a human being. (laughs) We are an animal. Right? My dog... If it sees a squirrel, it will chase the squirrel every time, right? If I see a beer and I drink that beer every time, then I'm about on the same intellectual level as my dog. My dog doesn't have reason. So we have the gift of the opposable thumb and the frontal cortex. Right? So I can reason. And I can stop, and I can connect with the divine. So step four, right? So you begin to pause, because you know that you don't want to drink anymore. So for whatever reason, you're pleasing your parents, you're in court, or you've decided for yourself, right? And then you have that pause, And then you can ask yourself, what is driving this impulse? So then, from there, we realize, after some reprieve from drinking and using, after all the trauma that we have created, and all the things that we have done, and all the compartmentalizing that we've done. So eventually, as addicts, I believe that we compartmentalize everything, right? I'm fucking this guy and nobody knows about it. You know, nobody's got to know about it. You know, maybe I'm taking a little money off the top from the cash register. Nobody fucking knows about it. Nobody's got to know about it. You know, I did this really horrible thing, you know, fill in the blank. And nobody knows about it. Nobody has to know about it. Right. So then you've compiled and just like stuffed all these painful Things right, all these dishonest and manipulative things that we've done. And then step four is that you actually have to un-vomit. Un- you have to vomit all of this <coughs> stuff out. Right? You have to purge. You have to empty out the stuff that is so packed into your mind. And I know that there's a lot of fear about telling people things that you don't want to, you know, that like you have held secret for a long time. But I do know that I have done so many fucked up things in my life right i have been so such a dickhead and i have made so many mistakes and i have eaten so much fucking humble pie like for breakfast lunch dinner midnight snack midnight. you know afternoon snack tea time humble pie right there's nothing Anybody can say in this room that would shock me personally. And I'm sure that there's nothing that you have done that would shock another person. So you find someone that you relate to and you unpack that fucking mind of yours, right? You vomit out everything, right? And you tell people. You confess your, uh, without sounding religious, sins, right? You confess. And it's such a relief to unburden yourself of these things. So then what happens next, and I think that this is the most important thing that people don't really talk about that much, is you have to feel everything. You have to feel everything. And what that looks like, I remember when I first got sober, there was this guy and I was like, I fucking, yeah, or just despondent crying. and there was this dude who has like 30 years sober and he was like the Buddha, like the sober Buddha guy and he would say to me it's just a feeling of anger passing through you and I'd be like, fuck you (laughs) and your fucking feeling of anger passing through you I am so mad right now and it's only after six years that I can go oh, it is just a feeling of sadness Passing through me. Right? So the feeling, especially if you've had trauma, to heal that trauma, to identify the source, the primary pain, is really challenging. And to realize that all other pain stems from that pain is so important. And I really think that's the hardest work of all. At six years, I recently was traumatized by a dentist, right? I went to the poor people's dentist to have a dead tooth pulled from my head, right? And it takes a lot to numb my jaw. I'm part mastodon, you know, I'm just fucking strong. So this fucker, Gives me one shot of Novocaine. He <laughs> says, "Is it numb yet?" And I'm like, "I don't think so." He gives me another shot of Novocaine. And by the way, it's not Novocaine; it's Septicane. But I like to say Novocaine because it sounds more familiar. Septicane just sounds weird. Does anyone know what Septicane is? Anyway, no, no exactly Novocaine. Sounds me- Novocaine. must be because it took him three times to numb my fucking mouth. <laughs> by the third time, right? That guy was like, all right, basically, I've had enough, and takes the needle and like <gasps> ice picks my fucking like, back of my throat, which it didn't feel because I had the numbness. And I didn't think about it at the time, but it turns out I couldn't open my mouth anymore. And I would try to eat food, and I'd be like, ooh, this really hurts. And so this has taken like three weeks. And what I realized is that it kicked up some trauma. right? Some trauma which says that nobody loves you, Marnie. Nobody is taking care of you. You've been abandoned. So it was a wrinkle in time, right? The universe folded back to this child that nobody loved, nobody fucking took care of, and abandoned to the wolves. And I was abused by, you know, the wolves that came in, right? Mm-hmm. So this dentist, it seems like a weird thing, and I was on my floor. I mean, sobbing uncontrollably. I couldn't breathe, right? And what that ends up happening is you feel like you want to die, right? That's when the suicidal thoughts come in. I am not worth this life. Nobody loves me. I will amount to nothing. I'm a fucking piece of shit. I should just be dead. But what I have learned is that I have to pick up the phone, and I have to tell somebody my pain. That's the hardest thing to do because when you feel worthless, that's the most, then who? If you feel worthless, then who's going to pick up the phone to talk to me, right? So as an addict, right, when you start feeling something, anger, pain, loneliness, whatever it is, it's going to hurt so fucking bad that you feel your entire skin is going to blow apart. And you have to pick up the phone and tell someone, I'm going to explode or implode, right? I don't even want to drink or smoke anymore. I just want to die when I feel that much pain. Don't want to drink or smoke anymore. I just want to fucking die. It is so horrible and so lonely, and I understand. So... Then, when you're not drinking and smoking and perhaps you're not feeling a lot of pain and you don't want to die and crumble, boredom sets in. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You're fucking bored to tears. Right? What am I going to do? And I tell people that sometimes that this life, right, there's joy, there's pain, There's moments of elation, moments of sorrow. But mostly, this life is like a big fucking spiritual drive through Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. Nothing is going on. And you're like still in Texas. I'm still in a spiritual fucking Texas. No mountains, no, you know, nothing. nothing. It just goes on and on and on. That's also very difficult because you want something to penetrate. And I talk about my mother. My mother died of a heart condition. Aunt, when she was dying, right? So there's this thing that holds us to life, right? We're holding on to life. So my mother was so ill at the time that she couldn't do anything, and her days consisted of going to Marshall's one day and then returning the item the next day <laughs> and then laying in bed and watching her shows. And when it was her turn to die... She didn't die just yet. And the the, um, hospice nurse said, well, she must be holding on to something. And so I said, Mom, you're not dying because you're (laughs) holding on to something. And she said, I like my life. Mm -hmm. There was nothing going on. I like my life. There is this... Proverb in um, Bulgaria. You know, I've spent a lot of time in Bulgaria. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> There's, a Bulgari- <laughs> There's a Bulgarian proverb that says, if you wish to drown, don't trouble yourself with shallow water. <laughs> so, as drug addicts, we're fucking troubling ourselves with shallow water. Right? And I'm really philosophically fascinated by this. Filipino dictator who's just blowing up every fucking drug addict in the (laughs) Philippines. And then I say to the inmates, so would you accept that as your fate as a drug addict, right? If I were to be like, drug addict, (laughs) right? You'd probably be like, no, I like my life. And yet, we're killing the animal, right? Mm -hmm. There is such a massive amount of self-destruction that we have, and yet, at the same time, the opposing thing is this will to live. Mm -hmm. So which one is it? Right? But I do think that the emotional backlash is really the most important thing that people don't really talk about. And it's that, like, if you've stuffed something down since you were three years old and you're 40 or 35, right, that's 32 fucking years of pain. And it's going to come out. And you know what? It's okay. And then nobody wants to be a mess. Nobody wants to be a blubbering, sad mess. And sometimes it passes in a day, and sometimes it passes in two weeks. But it'll come out. It'll come out. And the most important thing is to identify it. So if we have reason and opposable thumb, uh, then we can understand why this is happening to us. Why is this happening to us? Because I'm in pain. But it is ultimately a feeling of sadness passing through you. I don't know if I have anything else to say. <laughs> right. Does anybody have any questions? Yes. Jim, alcoholic. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Marty, you said you were teaching something, but I didn't catch it. I teach yoga to okay. the inmate population. How oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. How awesome. Yeah. Right. Super cool. That's being of service, right? So I'll talk to that. I'll speak to being of service all the shitty things that you've fucking done and you've done a lot I've done a lot of shitty things right it's okay we've all done shitty things but we have an opposable thumb and a frontal cortex and then we can change our lives we're not just the animal we're human beings that the one thing that you will save yourself that will save you more than anything is helping another person Mm -hmm. is helping another fucking person And I think that is the most important thing, right? So you get out of self. I do believe that we are coming unglued on this planet, right? That there is like this utter (coughs) lack or we don't understand that like every human life is important. Mm -hmm. I'll be right, I'm from uh, Los Angeles. And I'll be riding my bike sometimes in Los Angeles, and someone will drive by me and be like, fucking big, and like try to run me off the road. And I'm thinking, I'm a 50 year old lady, you know? And you want me fucking dead because I'm getting in your way or what you perceive to be your way. And then it shocks me that like we just have stopped caring about each other. And that's why this program is so, so, so special is because we are built, it is our responsibility to take care of one another. This is a community. This is a community. In the olden days, we had community. We ate together, we sat down together, we killed a mastodon together, (laughs) right? And we shared food, we talked about our days. And now, you know, we drive alone, we sit on our phone alone. We go have dinner alone, standing over the kitchen counter mostly, and we feel alone. God damn it. I hate feeling alone. So it's our job and duty and responsibility to call somebody up and say, how are you today? Mm -hmm. I was so upset that I didn't want to get out of bed on Thursday and teach those inmates. Right? Because I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm not missing any money. I'm a volunteer. They don't know me yet. And then part of me said, Marnie, get up out of bed, and you go to jail, and you sit and talk to those guys. And there was a dude there, and he was sitting there with his arms in his shirt, you know, just in this position of, I am in so much pain his body language. You know, he was hiding his arms up in his shirt, and they were crossing over his body, and it was just me and him. And he said, I said, what's up? And we started talking. And I said, you can't, like, go through the front door. What's the fucking matter with you, dude? You know, you're going to be all right. (laughs) You know? Nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) What people want is to be seen. Ultimately, people want to be seen. I want somebody to see me, right? My injury is that nobody saw me. And so I'll choose partners that won't see me or I'll choose bosses that won't see me. And it just reinforces this, like, nobody sees me, um, you know, hologramatic imprint that's in my spirit. But I'm learning every day to be seen. And so this kid says, I said, well, what do you like? And he says, sports. And I like rap music. And I go, okay, rap music. Well, who do you like in rap music? And he mentioned this guy, I don't know, NBA little something or something. I don't know, I'd never heard of it. And I go, why do you like that guy? And he said, "He's." He talks about how I grew up, and I go, How'd you grow up? And he said, I grew up alone, and nobody saw me. My parents didn't love me, and he was basically just left on his own. And I thought, This is why I have that pain. This is why I felt that pain. So I could look at this fucking kid from a completely opposite background of me, and I could say, I understand. I understand. I understand. Everybody in this room understands your pain. And I think that's a really important thing. And what happens is you actually have to trust, right, that another person understands. I don't fucking trust anybody. I don't trust anybody. But you have to trust. You have to pick up the phone and say, like, I'm in pain. And that person is there to see you. I see you. I see you. I see that you're in pain. And that makes all the difference. So you can give that gift to somebody else. And that's makes all the difference. So Any other questions? Yes, miss. <gasps> oh shit. <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> that will be edited. You're better. <laughs> Yes. Right. <laughs> um I have. Uh, well, can you touch uh, upon um, step eight a little bit and how you went through step eight and nine, or m- maybe not you, or any any words of wisdom that you could uh, talk about amends? Well, I think that there's like a guilty thing that we have, you know, so you kind of avoid the person that you have made amends to that you need to ma- that you've harmed, right? So then you just avoid the person, right? You give that person a wide berth, which means you walk two miles in the other direction to avoid that person. And I think that it's just a matter of... I, th- I believe that it's just faith. It's faith to trust. You have to trust, you know? And say... You know, you it's fear. It's what? Faith over, over fear, right? So we're afraid to say anything, basically. Is that—is that... I think... It, and then you just say, I'm sorry. I am so fucking sorry. I am so sorry. And you don't make it about yourself because I think that's like, oh, I really feel bad. You know, I've been walking two miles in the other direction and I really just feel like a real shit. Cause it's not about you. It's about them. And I don't know if that helped, sir. Okay. Two, one, yeah. you were talking about the holographic and you are talking about DNA or generational things that uh-huh. down. I read somewhere else, it talks about it, it goes down through seven generations. Uh-huh. What was that terminology you used? I want to look that up. Epigenetics. Epigenetics. Yeah, it's all tra- I, I really do believe that it's all somehow trauma related, that all of our addiction is trauma related, and that you have to heal that trauma. Dr. Dayton writes a lot about that. Uh, One of the things you said, this is going to be all but if you hear me out, you were talking about service. And uh, one of my experiences was being out there and trying to reach out to another person. That was a major stumbling block for a lot of years in the program. I would do it, but I didn't understand the ramifications of what it would do for me. And you answered the question, I'm not that guy trying to cut you off and kill you in a car. I'm not caught up in my head. I don't know if people really comprehend that sometimes getting out and helping other people to get out of ourselves so we're not that asshole in the car cutting people off because we're all consumed with ourselves. If If I'm in a traffic jam, I really watch myself and say like, fucking people in front of me, you know, fuck these fucking assholes, fucking dickheads. And then I really have to look at myself and go, that is like, really, Marnie, is the world revolving around you right now? Is the world revolving around you right now, Marnie? And I have to check myself, you know, because there is like, you people have road rage, and it's like, what? You're getting really worked up. And that's interesting, too, because that's like, You know, I worked in uh, schools with like third graders and there was this great lady and she used to say, control your bodies, control your bodies, right? To third graders. Um, Sometimes I think we need to say to ourselves, control your body, control your body, right? Control your body. We have this, but so we're born into this, but now I'm going to get really freaky. So we're born into this body, and the only way we experience consciousness is through the vehicle of the body. But we are separate from our body. We don't realize that we're carrying a body around. So, right? So instead, we treat this body like a loathsome Siamese twin. Right, and we just fucking like batter like this body, you know? Fucking Ooh, you get fat, you're so ugly, like blah, blah, blah. you know whatever it is. <laughs> I'm gonna stay up all night, and your body's like this wonderful like pound animal, right? It's like this sweet, <laughs> lovely dog that's like, all right, yeah, okay, you know? and it's fucking there for you. Your body is there for you, right? <laughs> And we've done everything to just destroy this animal, like, rah, rah, you know, and your body's like, I got this. Still here. <laughs> <laughs> Still here, you know. And there's just sub- this separation, you know. Control your body. So, I don't know. Anything else? I, do. I have something. Yes. Um, so, like, as you say, epi- epigenetics. Epigenetics. We can be the first generation for it in, in, in whoever is here. Um, I don't have history of alcoholism. I also don't have history of Crohn's disease, but I have it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, we can be the beginning of an end. We can make sure <coughs> that we educate, know everything about what's going on, just help everybody help everybody help especially flam, family you know and just help help mm-hmm. somebody's like why do you teach in jail and i go oh, I, I don't know helping people's cool <laughs> 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 i made a teacher that so helping people is cool <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. helping people is cool if it were a fucking Facebook game or an Instagram thing, you know you would be all up in that shit (laughs) (laughs) helping people is cool yes Um, can you speak about step (laughs) 11? yes wait wait. oh yeah I can Yeah, I it can. Yeah, it's that. silence. It's stillness. Right? We come from stillness. Right? Mm. We come from stillness, and we go back to stillness. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, we're in touch with stillness. Every once in a while, the way a light hits a tree. It's a, it's this. I am connected to everything. I really believe in meditation. Right. So another thing about like breathing. So breathing is an automatic response. We don't have to fucking think about breathing. But You can't breathe for not one. If you breathe, like stop breathing, you're dead. That's the one thing that's keeping us alive more than anything is our breath. And one of the things I think about is why we smoke, right? And I thought of this. And I was like, we smoke because it's what we call in yoga a pranayama, right? right? So it's the only time that you stop and you're conscious of your breath. Oh, I'm so fucking stressed out, you fucking bitch, <laughs> whatever it is. And you go outside and you go. It's a consciousness of your inhale and exhale. That's what meditation is, is to sit and to be conscious of your inhale and exhale. Right? Shit. There's one thing that I do want to read. This is a poem, and I think it speaks to that. It's a poem by Mary Oliver, and it's called Prayer. And I think it speaks to um, Step 11, and it's something I've been um, reading a lot. So give me one second. Give me half an hour, I'll get there. (laughs) Hold on. Stupid phone. Stupid thousand dollars, stupid piece of shit phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Not the Wi-Fi. Is. I, the Wi-Fi is. I find it in one second. Pr- praying. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot, or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together, and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest but the doorway into thanks and silence in which another voice may speak. That's what I think about that. It's a doorway into silence in which another voice may speak. It's a pause. It's the space in between the notes. And it's harder than shit. Because you have to sit with your mind. And that's the most difficult thing of all. You can fucking get arrested. You can run from the fucking cops. You can get beaten up like a motherfucker. You know, it doesn't matter. But to sit still is the hardest thing to do because you have to pay attention to your thoughts. What thoughts are you attached to and why? That's what I think. Anybody else? Reese, did you have your hand up? I was just wondering what you do on these road trips across Texas. <laughs> <laughs> the metaphor. I think the metaphorical roads trips, you, you're silent and you pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't assume I used to have this mantra where I'd say, Okay Marty, don't assume every day's the same. Nope. Right? And so then I would find I would walk a different way. And I would pay closer attention to the small things. Like these, the buds. Does anybody notice that the buds are coming out on the trees now? Yeah, yeah. It's red bud. It's so lovely. Small things like that. The, the gratitude of the, like, the tiny little fucking things. The tiny little fucking things, <laughs> right? <laughs> so poetic. Um, yeah. That's what you do. It's a, it's a... I believe the universe is asking you to pay attention more Mm -hmm. and go deeper into gratitude. Go deeper into paying attention. I used to love Sherlock Holmes, right? And in this one book, Watson's like, whoa, Sherlock, how is it you do what you do? You know? And he's like, I will my dear Watson. He's like, for example, how many steps were up there going up to the second floor? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, 13 steps. I pay attention to everything. <laughs> so you start paying attention to everything. If you're fucking bored out of your mind, then count how many steps it is up to your apartment. If you're bored out of your fucking mind, then count how many trees are in the courtyard. Right? Another thing I do to get out of self is I start thinking of myself as a body. Like, right? And I think, I'm a skeleton. I'm just a skeleton. And I'm just ever always going to be a skeleton, right? So then I go like, oh, poor me. Poor me. I'll never be rich. Nobody's going to ever love me. (laughs) You know, fill in the fucking blanks. And then when I get into that, I start going like, I wonder what my spleen is. <laughs> Does anybody know what their spleen is? Do you know where your spleen is? Do we need it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean you can live without your spleen, right? It's a filter. It's a filter. Yeah. And so, right? So then I go, oh, I wonder what it, do you know what your spleen looks like? Do you know where it is in your body, right? So then you start being curious. So the whole fucking idea about this life is just be curious. I'm curious. What is my spleen? Where's my spleen? Where's my fucking liver? I certainly blew it out. Do I even know where it is in my body, right? Is it swollen up? Yeah. Right? You only know your liver when you're like, "Ooh, ooh, right? But really, like, be fucking curious. You want to find a reason to live? Be curious. Be fucking curious. Right? Contempt prior to investigation will fucking kill you. It will be the death of your soul. If you think everything's fucking stupid, then then you're stupid. (laughs) Right? Then you're fucking stupid. Because there is so much out there to know. And to be curious about music, art, plants, uh, Roman fucking history, Egyptian history, whatever. There's so much to know, you can't possibly be bored. That's all I got.